we are always hearing uh, from Barry and, and really any of the leaders when the co- within the company or any company, you know, whatever business it is, you know, don't get beat on the things you can control. And as I was preparing for this, you know, what are the things I'd like to pose this as a question to you. What are the things that you control? Well, the two that come to my mind initially are one is activity and the second are resources or we refer to those as leads. And as, as I was preparing, this is a, an article that I probably read a dozen times a year and I'm going to uh, point out a couple of points in here, but the guy's talking about work leads don't waste them. And his comment was that scripts enable agents to control conversation both in regard to what uh, they say and how to proceed with the goal of meeting with the person. Now, in addition, scripts can include ways to deal with, uh, you know, objections and that sort of thing. But what a written script does for everybody, it forms a foundation that gives the agent security and confidence on the phone. And just as important as what we say, the script protects the agent from verbalizing anything that detracts from the goal. You know, as an agent, we must understand what is the purpose of the call. And the purpose of the call, guys, is getting an appointment. It's not making a sale so that everything that is said should be tailored toward developing an interest in meeting with you. You know, sharing too much can actually result in losing an appointment because the person now already knows what they have. So you've heard me say it, fewer words are better all the time. So his comment was, brevity is paramount. Again, the key is to intrigue them with the idea of learning what we have to offer in order to get a meeting. Now, keep in mind, there is some reason why the person responded to any lead source, and it's our job to tap into those reasons. You know, some leads were never really interested or they were playing games, but guys, that's not the case very much of the time, one out of a 100 maybe. Now, uh, we begin our appointment setting skills by using the information on the lead, and the reason for that is that establishes credibility for us because it points out we know something we would not know had they not given it to us. Now, you know, as far as the activity that we can control, getting leads is, is the, that's the first activity that you have that you can control. And I'll share a story at the end of this today that really drives home that point. The second thing is the activity uh, that we do uh, in terms of contacting people. See, that's the most important activity that we do in this business. We call clients that sent letters back. Now, uh, where should be, what should be the first thing that we focus on in the beginning uh, in this industry? We need to become the best at selling appointments or setting uh, calling leads. See, mastering setting the appointments will make you more money than just about anything else you can do. When you're in the home, is the in-home presentation important? Of course it is. But when you're in the home, you can call and get help in closing the sale. But it's more difficult to get help setting the appointments. If you don't master that, no, nothing else matters. And then uh, first, after you have the resources, contacting those, organizing those, making a system 
where you can keep track of that is extremely important. Now, I meant to comment a moment ago that down later I would share something with you. Uh, Connie and I cleaned doctor's offices when we started this business from 10 p.m. until 2 in the morning. And we did that for nearly three years in order for what? So I had money to buy leads. Now, keep in mind that working from 10 to 2 in the morning was not a choice on that time. It was a necessity because I worked in a property and casualty office for free just to learn about the insurance business. And I did that from 9 o'clock until approximately 5 in the evening. Then I would run appointments from 5 until 8, 8.30 or 9, get back in Charlottesville somewhere around 10. And we did that because we thought this business that we could own and, and would work, we felt that the value of the big picture of owning our business was much greater than the pain of the small picture. And the small picture was all the work that had to be done but the big picture was, and John Kite, if he, when you watch his movie uh, about his integrity buyout, you'll see a lot more about that today. Uh, did we want to quit? Yeah, you know, not really. There wasn't anything out there that we felt had the same or a better upside potential. I can't say there, there weren't days we wanted to just give up because at 2 in the morning, it's tough. But there wasn't anything out there we felt was any better, and I feel like help creating that big picture is one of the things that we all need to work more on. But my most important activity after getting leads was setting appointments. Now, trust me, I know a lot of ways that don't work when it comes to setting appointments. And I call one of them, for those of you who remember the uh, the 50s, there was a TV series called um, – uh, I, I think it was Fonz. I'm not even sure of the name of it. But one way that doesn't work is what I call the Fonz approach because just being cool when you call doesn't work. You know, I got this. Now, nope. uh, the only thing Fonz was intentioned about was how his hair looked. And in the 50s, that was a big deal and how he walked. But he was cool. Um, do you know what you sound like on the phone? Are you are you being a Fonz on the phone like, I got this, I'm cool, but when in fact that's not going to work for you, casual and cool or intentional. You can't be both, and being intentional is what's going to make a difference to you. Uh, being attemp- uh, intentional is established an effective way to capture your client's attention within the first 10 seconds of the phone call. Guys, that is critical and crucial. The next part of being intentional is to keep their attention through a series of statements and questions so that you're able to get your message delivered in such a way that they take action. Now, and taking action is set an appointment to see what you can do for them. Because this isn't about us. Guys, if the client truly understood, and it's our fault they don't, but if they understood we are much more important to them than they are to us. Because if he doesn't come on because of a car wreck or a heart attack, we should be the second person they call. First person person should be their pastor, and we should be next. And I cannot tell you how many times that has happened in my life where I was the second person they called. I had a call yesterday from a client. She said, that was my brother using my phone. He has your phone number. He needs some insurance. And we paid the death claim. 
within uh, 45 days, first on her husband, then on her daughter, about a year ago. Now, keep this in mind. You have 10 seconds to capture their attention, and you need three and a half minutes to set the appointment. Uh, you must buy the three and a half minutes of their valuable time with a statement and your questions. And guys, once you capture their attention, please don't waste that time that you've just purchased with your statements and your questions. See, keeping in mind from the article I just uh, quoted from, your only job is to set the appointment uh, to help them. It's not to sell them over the phone. It's not to pay their mortgage. And a lot of people say, I'm calling you about the letter you sent back to pay off your mortgage in the event of your death, to make the payments of you become. No, that's selling over the phone. That is not the way to set the appointment. Now, you may have to bring up those things along the way to remind them of the letter that they sent back some time ago, but you try, that's not the opening statement. That's not the first salvo that you fire. Now, when we go down that road, we sound like all – now, this is the key to what I'm talking about today. When we go down that road, we sound like all the other agents who have called them. So what – now, keep in mind, even if you've got an A-lead that just came in, there's a fairly good chance in this day and age they have done some research They've sent a couple of letters back. Someone else may have already reached out to them. So we need to be different than the other agents, than their approach. If they have bought, and a few have, it's because the other agent was much better at capturing their attention and got them to move forward. So uh, if we act like, sound like, or participate in this program like the other agents that are called on what's going to happen, we're going to get the same result the other guy got. Um, their, their intention then, I'm not interested. All they want to do is get you off the phone without being rude. Now, some of them are going to be rude, but the, the intention of most clients is to get you off the phone without them sounding rude. So what are you going to hear? Well, we can't afford it. We're not interested. You know, um, In essence, when they say we, did, we can't afford it, if they've talked to somebody, and some have, but most haven't, they did not see the value in the last agent they talked with. Um, and if they didn't see the value with that one, what are they thinking? This is the same bunch, so why would I expect a different outcome or a different result? They don't. They had a bad experience before. It was too expensive. They don't see the value. The other person didn't paint the picture showing the pain without the product effectively, so they're not going to move forward with anything. What do you hear in that situation? You hear a dial tone. It becomes our job to appoint this, approach this activity totally differently. Now, today's script will provide you with a script that is intentional in every aspect of setting the appointment. And that's what we want to focus on today. Now, each and every one of you, uh, have access to this script, and I want to go through it. I'm going to actually go through the script, and then I'm going to go back and unpack it so you understand why we do it the way we do. And I hear this all the time, well, i got to make it sound like me. Okay, you can make it sound like you as long as you keep the tenants. You know, that's like going out building a skyscraper. Yeah, I want, I want this skyscraper to, uh, to reflect who I am. 
instead of putting in a six-foot foundation because that's what's required by the engineer, you put in a two-foot because, hey, you think that's adequate. Well, it's not, and that building's going to collapse, and this is no different. So here we go on the phone script. Hello, John. Uh, this is Dick Sylvester. I'm calling about your mortgage with SunTrust Bank. Our records indicate the mortgage protection hasn't been taken care of yet. I've been assigned your case, but I need a little more information to give you a quote. Do you have just a moment? The letter indicates your mortgage is $246,000. Is that about right? There are two ages listed. Yours is 49, but you didn't give me your birth date. Uh, and your um, and your wife's age is 42, but you didn't give me her birth date either. And um, and do either of you uh, smoke, chew, or vape? And then of course, what is your height and weight? Do either of you have any health questions or issues that we should know about? You know, like blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes. And now this is if they have one of these things, you want to know what do you have, how long have you had it. Is it mild, moderate, or severe, or what do you take for it? And then the next question is, do either of you currently take any prescription medications? Have either of you taken any prescription uh, other medications in the last five years? Have either of you had any major minor surgeries, you know, in the last five or ten years? You know, like cancer, stroke, heart attack, or maybe a, a insulin-dependent diabetes. And John, what's your occupation? And what's Mary's? Now, I'm going to put together 15 or 20 different proposals. I'll select the best three or four out of those. When would be a good time to go over those to see what you qualify for? Do you prefer morning, afternoon, or evening? Evening. Well, with that in mind, I have a 6 and an 8 open on Tuesday and a 4 and a 6 p.m. on Wednesday. Which of those best suits your situation or your needs? for your time. Coming from I-95 and 3 in Fredericksburg, how do I get to your house? Despite us today guys having GPSs, some of these new subdivisions, and they won't be in the GPS, but when we ask for a, a specific direction, it helps them remember the appointment. It just kind of solidifies it. After the appointment is set, then I follow up with, I'm going to send you a little yellow card as a reminder to put on the refrigerator. And if for some reason this time won't work, let me know because every week I have five or six people who want to see me that I don't have openings for, and that would allow me to put one of them in your place. And what time did we say that appointment it was? Six on Tuesday. Great. Now, let me go back and unpack what we just went over here. Hello, John. When I ask that question, hello, John, I wait for the, a pause. Now, why do I do that? One, when I call, hello, John, if you ask the question the right way, if it is John, they cannot resist answering your question. How many times have you said, hello, uh, is John there? Who is this? Why are you calling? Or, hello, John, if you don't raise your voice to the point that you sound like it's a friend, they're going to challenge you right off the, off the get-go. So that's an important way to – hello, John. And I've, I've actually done role play with you guys on the phone. And I'll say, hello, Bruce. And we're role-playing. And he goes, yes. 
you just can't help but answer the question. So there's a reason for doing that. This is Dick Sylvester. I'm calling about your mortgage with SunTrust Bank, our records. Now, you noticed I didn't stop at the end of the sentence. I stopped in the middle of the next sentence. Now, if I called you and uh, I said, hello, uh, John, I'm calling about your mortgage with SunTrust Bank. If your mortgage with Sun, is with SunTrust Bank, what's your first thought? Uh-oh. Usually, there's only two people you don't like to get a phone call from your mortgage company and the IRS. It's usually it's not good in either situation. So your first thought is what's wrong? And you get the payment. It's, you know, what's going on? But, so I have got your undivided attention. Now, that statement inserted right there, that question, I'm calling about your mortgage with SunTrust Bank. Guys, that just bought you about a minute and a half of time. And as we go through, you're going to see where that's important because you need three and a half minutes to set the appointment. And all the time that you use beyond three and a half minutes reduces the probability of getting the appointment. So as we go through here, I'm calling about your mortgage with SunTrust Bank. Our records indicate the mortgage protection hasn't been taken care of yet. I've been assigned your case, but I need a little more information to give you a quote. Do you have just a moment? Now, why do we go through it that way there? Well, I want to get out before they have a chance to tell me we've already bought something. I want to get that out on the table so I get, I'm able to get that statement out, pausing after I state it. Now, they're not prepared to interrupt me in the middle of a sentence. As I mentioned earlier on, most of these people really don't want to be rude. So when I stop in the middle of the sentence, it throws their timing off. But if I stop at the end of the sentence, they feel totally justified in shutting me down. We're not interested. We've taken care of that. It's too expensive. They feel totally justified in that. But because I threw their timing off, they're not ready to jump back in. So it allows me to get my message out without being confrontational. And I'm not being rude. I just changed the, the rules of the game here. I need a little more information, and I really do that every time. I need a little more information to give you a quote. Do you have just a moment? Now, I could say, do you have a minute? No, because they know you're some type of a salesperson or a telemarketer, and a minute means you know 10 minutes, and a couple of minutes means 20. But for them, to, everybody's got just a moment. Yeah. I need a little more information to give you a quote. Do you have just a moment? For them to say no, they don't have just a moment, guys, that would be rude. And they really don't want to be rude. The letter indicates, now why do I use the word indicates instead of says? Because when you use the word says or it says here, that's what telemarketers and salespeople do. They're calling from a list. But the letter indicates your mortgage is $246,000. Is that about right? Now, you notice I didn't say $246,789. Why not? Because the $789, they don't remember that part. They don't want to lie to you, and when you throw that in there, now they have to think about it. You have just put in, you just clouded the water. But they do remember the $249,000. That's going to be... That's going to be something that's paramount in their mind. So don't throw in the $789.62. They don't know or care or remember. 
Um, there are two ages listed. Yours is 45, but you didn't give me your birthday. Because why do you need the birthday? Well, this could be a two-year-old letter, and they may be 49 or 51 now. So having the birth date is extremely important. Uh, do you smoke, chew, or, or vape? Um, that's an important thing to know because we, we have to have that to figure the rates. And what is your approximate height and weight? And now you'll notice I get all of his information first, and after I get his information, then I go to the wife. And the reason I do that, if I ask you a question today about your brother, what do you do? you pull up a picture of your brother in your mind. So if I'm asking you questions about you and your wife or your brother and your sister, when I ask you a question about your brother, you have to pull up that picture in your mind. Then I jump over and ask you a question about your sister. You have to pull her picture up in your mind. And then I go back to your brother. That's like ping pong. That takes mental energy and effort, and it just confuses the situation. So get all the information on him first, and then all the information on her. Now, when you're recording this, if one of them is a type 2 diabetic, I always put the male on the left and the female on the right. So if I write, and I, I, do, I learn to do shorthand, I just do a Roman number 2 for type 2 diabetes because we don't have time. Remember, we got three and a half minutes to set the appointment, so I just put HB for blood, and if both of them have high blood pressure, I put times 2. So I know both of them got high blood pressure. If they're both type 2 diabetics, Roman numeral 2 times 2. So I got that there. And these are ways to help you because the less time you spend on the phone, as you heard from the MetLife guy, the better. Um, do either of you currently take any medications? I did a call one time a number of years ago where we had a speakerphone in the other room so that the agents in training could listen. And I get this couple on the phone, and I know they thought it was a setup. And uh, he was on 13 medications. He was on 15. Now, I don't care what they're on for blood pressure. Blood pressure is a normal thing. I want to know what it's for and how many medications they're taking. I don't need to know they're on lisinopril. I just need to know they're on one medication for blood pressure. Again, trying to teach you how to get this information quickly and move on. And um, I've had and that I've had people oh, on that situation. The reason I brought that up about uh, 15 and or 13 and 15 medications, I ask them, "Are there any health problems we should know?" And they both said no. And then I said, and what medications are you on? And he started through the list. And the crowd in the other room was just busting a gut because these people just told me there's no health problems, but the medications exposed where we were, okay? What the, the reason for asking the occupation, is that crucial? No, it isn't. But the reason I like to know it, it gives me an idea how they think because I'm going to approach somebody who's a CPA a little bit differently than I am somebody who's an auto mechanic. The auto mechanic, he, he doesn't care about many of the details. He doesn't want to do the exam. He's thinking, how do I get through this as quickly as possible? Give me a price and show me how to apply. You know, the, the, my father was an electrician. That's the way he would have thought. So 
it does help me when I'm strategizing the cases. Now, when I made the comment, I'm going to do 15 or 20 different proposals. I'll pick the best three or four out of those. When would be a convenient time to sit down with the two of you to see what you qualify for? Do you prefer morning, afternoon, or evening? Why do I do that? Well, and Connie has actually seen the house we drove by it a few few years ago. I had this lady on the phone first few months I was in the business, and she hit my buttons wrong. I, I go through everything the way I'm going through it, and her statement was, could you send me something? And I said, send you something? I'm going to do 15 or 20 proposals. I wouldn't even know which one to send you. Oh, Dick, I didn't realize you were doing that much work on it. I can see you Tuesday at 6. Because that implied, and, tr and back in those days, I did do 15 or 20 proposals because I didn't know what I was going to show them. We were using a universal life for the product, and I didn't even know the difference between target and minimum premium. I'd run the proposals, and I might get three or four different prices for the same client doing what I thought was the same thing. So that became part of my presentation from that point forward. It shows how much we're doing. They feel slightly obligated to see you because you're doing all that work. And guys, that has become a part, that's a signature part of what I do. And with that in mind, I have a six and an eight on Tuesday. I always give them, if they say morning, I'm going to give them two options on two different days in the morning. And the reason for that, I want it to become a question of which one rather than yes or no. If I give them 10 o'clock on Tuesday and they've got a doctor's appointment, I can't see you. Now I'm trying to catch up. But if I give them 10 and noon on Tuesday morning and I give them a uh, 10 and 1 on Wednesday, that now it's a question of which day and which time. It makes it easier for them to select one. And um, now, why do I use the yellow card? Now, I'm going to, for those of you doing um, virtual sales, I'm going to give you something to use in lieu of that. But the reason I use the yellow card, now let me go over that script, and then I'll tell you. All the yellow card is, it's about posturing. I'm going to send you a yellow card to put on the refrigerator as a reminder. If for some reason this time won't work, let me know, because every week I have five or six people who want to see me, that I don't have openings for, and that would allow me to put one of them in your place. Now, if you notice, if for some reason this time doesn't work, I didn't say you changed your mind. If the time doesn't work, let me know, because that's the only reason in my mind that you wouldn't want to see me. So that's the reason I use that word right there. If for some reason this time doesn't work, let me know. Now, what did I say in all of that? You heard what I said, but this is what I conveyed. A lot of people are doing this. We are really busy. I'm going to see somebody at 6 o'clock on Tuesday evening, but I am not desperate to see you. That's what I want to convey to them. I want to posture, we are busy, everybody's doing this. I'm going to see someone, but I'm not desperate to see you. Guys, that posturing changes everything. It changes their mindset. It changes their attitude toward you. It changes everything because now you are not so desperate that you're going to camp out in their house and try to sell them something they don't want. That's what you just conveyed to them. Now, 
and then I remind them of their appointment time. Now, if you are doing virtual sales and or doing this sale, either one, you know, in-home presentations, after you've set the appointment, you're on the phone with them at 10 o'clock this morning, and you set the appointment for 2 o'clock this afternoon, and they're under 60. Now, we know on virtual sales, about 40% of the people don't keep the appointment. They just said yes to get you off the phone. Or they said yes, and something came up. That happens too. So what I'm going to say to those people when I'm doing the virtual sale, if they're under 60, now, John, Mary, when we, when we talk at 2 this afternoon, make sure I go over that foreclosure protection benefit we have in our plan. And the reason I say that is most plans don't have it, and I want to find out and make sure you qualify for it. Now, I may have set that appointment at 2 today just to get me off the, or get somebody off the phone, but when they bring up something that's totally different that I've never heard of and no other agents are using those terms, guys, except the Sylvester team. So when you've got somebody on the phone and uh, you bring up something, foreclosure protection, that's something that's in their best interest. It's their best interest. So I would, I would keep that appointment because I want to know what in the daylight, what is it? I'll cover that with you when we talk. I've got to do some work to see if you qualify. So I'm not going to let them get out of me. Now, if they're over 60 or 65 or we've got some health issues and I know we're going to have to go critical period, this is what I'm going to say. Now, John, when we talk at 2 this afternoon, make sure I go over the uh, equity protection plan. Most plans don't have it, and I want to make sure I explain it to you and see if you guys qualify for the equity protection plan. Now, the client has not a clue to what equity protection is, and they don't have a clue to what foreclosure protection is, but it sounds like something they ought to have. So those are some ways to maybe increase the number of appointments you set that turn into a, uh, an appointment that you have a shot at making a sale. All right. Thank you so much for unpacking that because, <clears throat> as you said, this is the key to our business is setting the appointment. So. Um, to go into part two today, um, I'd like for all of you to uh, uh, listen. We uh, are so excited to talk to uh, Heather Hudek today. She is an Ignite earner. She was hired by Robert Balgich and is part of the virtual team. And um, I think you'll all be blessed by her story. Good morning, Heather. Um, the reason we do a, a call like this, you know, it's, it's inspiring to new people, but when the wheels fall off, and they always do, you know, you'll be thinking your last sale was your last sale at some point in time. It's nice to have somebody that you can turn to to kind of help you put the wheels back on that's been there. And a recording like this sometimes is one of those things that really inspires people to let them know, oh my gosh, you know, this is happening to me. I'm not, this isn't unusual, so that they're not surprised. We really try to prepare people for this. Because I tell people a lot of times when I'm recruiting them, that I, you know, when the wheels fall off, I know how to put them back on because I've been there and done that. But I wanted to ask you a question. Um, 
you're somewhat new, you're new to us, but how new to the insurance industry are you? And let me start off this way. Prior to insurance, what did you do? And then tell us a little bit about your early years in the insurance business. Okay, okay. First of all, I just want to say thank you for giving me a call and doing this today. Um, prior to the insurance industry, I was in the medical field. I was an occupational therapist assistant. I did that for about seven, eight years. It was heartbreaking. I witnessed every day of my patients passing on for different illnesses and watching the family truly struggle to figure out how they're going to bury their, their loved ones. I, mean, I was in life insurance years prior, but going back into the medical field, it's like, you know, I want to do something different. I want to help a lot of people. Um, going into the medical field, I saw firsthand what the lack of life insurance does. Um, quick little story. Um, I had a patient that was very near and dear to my heart. Unfortunately, I was one of these um, therapists that I couldn't disconnect my feelings. She truly had a love for my patients, but this one young lady, she passed away. Excuse me, broke my heart. Um, the family could not bury her. Um, she literally sat in one of the banquet rooms for a week. But it broke my heart seeing the family struggle and seeing what they were going to do to bury that loved one was just devastating for me. So I wanted to make a change because, one, I couldn't handle watching my patients die anymore. I wanted to make a difference in another way. So I switched to life insurance. I've been doing that for roughly about seven years with a couple of years. Probably a six years break because I went into the medical field. I love the industry. I uh, will be honest, point blank, I have been beaten up. Everything that could possibly happen to you in this industry has happened to me. That's the local extent, um, but pretty darn close from the DNC's not calling and almost getting lost sued twice. Luckily enough, I was able to bypass that. Um, reaching out, um, looking for something different. Um, Robert, my upline, found me on Facebook. I believe it was Facebook. Um, he's been my godson. He was fully transparent. I've had a very, very bad taste in my mouth about insurance for a while because I kept on getting burned and burned and burned. The loss of the moral integrity was gone. And Robert, we crossed paths. He was full transparency. I could feel his genuineness when we spoke. That's what made me choose that way. My true expectations with the company, I'll be honest, it was still very, very vague up until recently. Um, I've been promised everything and given nothing. Robert has promised me everything, has stood by my side during my days of meltdown. I apologize, my dog just jumped off the couch. Um, um, he has promised me everything, and he has actually fulfilled everything that he said he was going to do for me. And he has gone beyond what was I would ever thought he would do for me. So I'm very, very grateful for what he has done. Um, so needless to say, my expectations um, are very high. I foresee me going the mile with this company. I will never leave. You guys are my home. After all the trials and tribulations, I went from bottom of the barrel, making probably 5000 my first year, and I'm climbing up. Little by little, I'm getting back up to where I need to be again. Um, I'm hoping to grow and keep growing. I want to build a team. I want to blow this up. My biggest effect, I think, on earning this um, Ignite, um, I would definitely say my hours I put in, my dedication, 
that's the most important thing is the hours you're putting in and the dedication. Don't let any outside influences influence. I've heard so many people ask me why she's choosing the insurance industry. It's hard. It's brutal. Yeah, it is. But when you have the honors of making a difference in people's lives, that's what's important. And then when you look at that bank account to reflect what you did, that's powerful. I'm not there yet. I'm going to get there. Nothing is going to hold me back. When I have my mind made up, I just go. Put all the outside influences out of your mind. I don't care if it's a husband. I don't care if it's a parent. I don't care if it's your older kids. Shut them off and say, you know what, I'm doing this for me, and I'm doing it mostly to help others, and that's what's most important. Um, as far as um, my virtual building, my financial future, uh, I don't want to say I want to be a millionaire. I want to help as many people as I can in everything that I do to help everybody that I can is going to fill up my bank account to where it's supposed to be. So that's what's most important to me. Wow, what a story. Uh, I remember hearing Dee Dee Carter telling hers in uh, May of 2017, she had $28.61 in her checking account and enough money in her purse that if the re repo man caught her, she could give him the money and keep her car from being repoed. And uh, in less than, well, by the end of the year, she had put 20% down on a house, paid cash for the furniture, and was able to move out of her friend's apartment. So, you know, I think you're on a track much like hers. Uh, and this will be a story that you'll want to keep notes and be able to tell again and again and again. Uh, you know, the average life insurance agent in America makes about $38,000 a year. <clears throat> and the reason for that is they, the, they don't have a system. They really didn't know how to sell. But you found, you said you found a home here. What do you think Robert's system has done to make a difference for you? Um, it's different. He's basically doing things out of the box of norm. And with these times, you've got to change when the world is changing. A lot of other industries, I'm not going to say any their names, they're still on the street, still door knocking, still doing face-to-face. -face. I had a client that said specifically yesterday, I don't want you coming to my home. The first thing he said when I was on the phone with him, and I'm like, sir, we do things different? No worries. I don't want to invade your personal space. I want to do what's best for you, and that's what's most important. These insurance companies today are still thinking the, the old way is the right way. When it's the new way is the right way, you've got to adapt to the changing times. If you don't adapt, you're done. It's just that simple. Well, you know, I see why you're doing so well when you were telling us about the patient that died and then the family couldn't pay for the funeral and they had a uh, holding pattern for a week. Uh, that's a powerful story. You've written 13 apps, $9,991 in premium. How do you see at a pace like that? Because with your work ethic, there's no reason that's not going to happen on a regular basis. How do you see yourself from a financial standpoint at the end of the year? Ashley Dick, if I may interject, um, that is actually the wrong numbers. I've written 31 apps. I've done a total of 26, over 26,000 in the last, just this month alone. Um, Robert and I actually calculated it yesterday. It was right that you said that. So, yes, I've done 31 apps this month and I'm out roughly about 24,000, excuse me. Um, I'm just 
with the, the new contract changing right now, I've already told everybody in my circle, my daughter just moved in with me, and she's going to be gone for a month. <laughs> I'm not here. I'm going to be starting at 7 a.m. or I'll be getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, do my normal routine. I will be on the phone by 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'm going to go as late as I possibly can, and I'm going to be doing that six days a week. I will hit my goal that I want to be at. I will not settle for anything less. I've already posted a thing on Facebook. Fine, okay, people, help me hit my goal. I kind of did a little white line saying it's a contest. What well, is a contest? It's a contest for me. I'm not in competition with anybody other than myself. And that, I think, is what moves me. I think if once you start competing against other people, and that's when one breed gets in there, um, also, your personality changes, and I don't want to do that. I want to stay humble. I want to do best for everybody else. And like I said before, everything else will follow into place. Well, and I want to stand corrected. It was 13 apps this week, everybody, on the call today, and $9,991 this week. And when you get to that high contract level, that is going to make a huge difference in your life, to say the least. And uh, I hope everybody on the call today is listening with both ears and with their heart because when you listen with your ears and your head, eh, that's good. But when you listen with your ears and your heart, that's when change happens. And that's what we're looking for, for everybody that listens to this recording in the future, but also everybody today that's listening. And Heather, we just want to really encourage you. Uh, we feel like not only have you found a home, but we feel like we found a partner and a friend. I agree. Yeah. This is definitely, and if I may say one other thing, I do want to say this is definitely not a company. This is a family. This, this is what Rob actually portrays, the everyday Zoom calls. We're on Zoom all day. Anybody has a question or just needs that moral support, like they say in the industry, this is the loneliest job, the loneliest career. With Rob and his techniques, you're not alone. You've got someone there anytime you need it. And I have the utmost respect and honor to be a part of his team. Well, that is a great comment so, and so true, Heather. Uh, we hear that occasionally from other people. Uh, we tell uh, folks when we're hiring them that, you know, the support is there. I just want to say uh, also that Heather came to us with more than a usual amount of uh, stumbling blocks because she was com uh, contracted with so many of our carriers. So those uh, 13 apps that she wrote last week were without Foresters, Mutual of Omaha, or American Amicable. You fill in the blanks for the rest, okay? So when she gets a full arsenal, um, you know, will it make a huge difference? It's going to make a difference for Heather because it's going to take pressure off her to find the right product for her client, which is so important to her. Um, I tell people, you know, you don't need to get a contract with everybody because then that increases the probability of roll-up or debt or something like that. But Heather has really worked through this, and i got to tell you, Heather, I, I don't know that I can listen to anybody else complain about not having contracts because to write 13 apps on the contracts that you had is just short of amazing. 
it, it really is. And I know that um, by the end of June when you have these other contracts, like I said, I don't think it's going to be that much different to the clients because you're going to choose what's right for them. And those applications, that, uh, products that you sold, they were right for the client. But it's just going to lighten up how you're feeling about it. And um, I believe... Um, Heather, that you have a past with American Amicable as far as writing them. Can you give any kind of a plug for them? Um, I've had some long, ongoing issues in getting appointed with some of my carriers just because of past experiences with my previous suppliers that burned me on lot of bubbles. Um, so, I'll be honest with you, my favorite company to work with is Americo. Okay, good. Well, that's great. That's great, and uh, that 8% bonus doesn't hurt anything either. <laughs> that is awesome. I'll never forget, Heather, the first time we saw uh, that the Americo bonus was introduced. It's been a couple of years now, of course, and Brandon Hall got up on stage with a, you know, a giant replica of his check. And it was just like, seriously, that was for a bonus, non-chargeable? Uh, you can talk to David Crocker about AmeriCo bonuses because he is a firm believer in writing that product. And guys, let's face it, they don't do trips. They don't do trips for a reason. They want you to take that bonus and go where you want to go. And uh, if that appeals to a lot of people. So, Heather, I say put that on your goal list and go for it. I think that uh, <clears throat> you can hear Heather's passion uh, in that recording. Uh, I think you're all going to enjoy listening to that the next time you get in the car and have, uh, I know this was a longer call, but it's all good information. Uh, break it up in two parts if you need to, but don't miss this um, interview with Heather and the phone script breakdown that Dick did earlier. We um, appreciate uh, each one of you being on the call today. <clears throat> 